Bayani Warrior Podcast, Episode 6, Strength of Mind, Body, and Spirit with Jared Zimmerer. Episode 6 of the Bionic Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Guru Mike Panna, Chief Instructor and Founder of the Bionic Warrior Martial Arts Academy, located right here in the beautiful Dallas, Texas area. In today's episode, I interview Jared Zimmerer. Jared is the definition of the modern-day Renaissance man. He is a strongman, bodybuilder, author, writer, public speaker, and Catholic evangelist. He currently works for Word on Fire, a Catholic outreach ministry headed by Bishop Robert Barron of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. Through his background in strongman training and bodybuilding, Jared has been able to inspire men and women from all over the world how to develop virtue through physical training. He is also one of the co-hosts of the Maccabee Society, a podcast for Christian men discussing style, fitness, virtue, and relationships. We at Bionic Warrior Martial Arts are all about developing strength physically, mentally, and spiritually. And I chose Jared for the podcast because I am truly impressed with how he exemplifies developing strength on a physical, mental, and spiritual level. While Jared does speak from a Catholic point of view, I encourage everyone to listen to the entire interview from beginning to end. His words in this interview touch upon issues all people can embrace from all walks of life. We talk about the importance of developing strength, the reasons why having a tribe is necessary, his take on the resurgence of the Viking culture, as well as his love for Bruce Lee and the martial arts. So without further ado, here's my interview with Jared Zimmerer. Jared, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, Mike, how's it going? Hey, nice to finally meet you, man. Thanks for joining me. Today. Yeah, you as well. I'll just get started then. So, uh, Jared, thank you for coming on the show. If you don't mind just giving us some background on uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, so my name is Jared Zimmer. And, uh, as far as me personally, I'm a married man. I've been married for 10 years, and uh, my wife and I are expecting our sixth child. So uh, we have four boys and a girl right now, and we're expecting another girl. Wow. Uh, my yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, I got involved in um, bodybuilding and powerlifting when I was in high school, uh, mostly because of a football injury that happened, and basically it kind of forced me into figuring out another way to be competitive uh, in something, and fell in love with it. Um, and basically, college I kind of focused a lot of my attention to it, and ended up getting my undergrad in, in kinesiology. Um, thought maybe I'd be getting into coaching or teaching of some kind. So I have an undergrad also in, in uh, Spanish. And so I thought maybe, you know, I go teaching coaching route, but um, ended up taking a position with some nonprofits in the Catholic world and then got involved with parish work. And now I'm there with Word on Fire. But uh, my, my passion is still using the weight room, using physical fitness um, as a way to kind of garner the expression of virtue in men. And so um, I've had some great opportunities to be able to talk around the country and wrote a few books about it. Um, but uh, even today, I'm, I'm kind of getting myself ready to possibly compete in a, a strongman competition in a couple months. So uh, I've been working on uh, putting on some weight and putting uh, being able to pick up some more weight. So my full-time job is I work for an organization called Word on Fire Catholic Ministries. It's a outreach of Bishop Robert Barron's that uh, we create documentaries, uh, 
Um, he has a very large social media following, and my particular position is the director of outreach and mission. I kind of want to go back to the physical a little bit because you are known for your your fitness uh, videos. You're known for uh, you know being a an individual who connects the spirit and the body and uses that in your work. Um, so I kind of want to rewind a little bit and talk about how uh, your experiences uh, as a strongman, as a weightlifter, as a bodybuilder, how that has helped your sense of spirituality, how, how that's helped form you, as well as it helps you in your daily life as a husband and a father. Yeah, so one, one thing that I always challenge guys that are weightlifters or, or physical fitness guys is to recognize, and I got this from Bruce Lee, but to, to recognize what's going on within you whenever this stuff is going on. So, for example, right, I've got um, I, I trained somebody a few weeks ago, and typically when I train somebody, I, I want them to sweat, I want them to get to the point where they can barely stand because it's all a matter of how much can you push, how how hard can you go, you know. And uh, what's what you're recognizing within you is that a few things. One, you're not made of glass. Mm -hmm. You you can take this, right? Um, I, I think today we're we're such a, a comfortable people. We're such a, you know, if you have a headache, go pop a pill. You know, we, we don't know how to embrace pain anymore. And so what the weight room does for me is it allows me to realize that pain is actually a good thing, that that struggle is going to make me stronger the next time. So that spills directly over into your vocation, into your spirituality that, you know, maybe you're not feeling spiritually fulfilled right now, but guess what? That pain's a good thing. That pain's calling you to something higher. It's saying, do what's necessary necessary to uh, uh, overcome the pain, do what's necessary to become stronger next time. Same thing in your vocation, right? You know, sometimes we have difficulties with our spouses. We have difficulties with our kids. Consider that pain part of the process to become stronger. Consider that pain part of the way in which you become a better man. Um, and so that's one thing. Another is to always think about you know, what it is um, that, that pushes you, right? So for me, um, I, I want to get ridiculously strong. Some guys want to have a great physique. Some guys want to be able to do these incredible martial arts moves, right? What's pushing you to do that? There's something deeper here that, that perhaps you don't recognize on the surface. And that's one thing I think that taps into a lot of fitness guys that say they've never even thought of that. They've never really stepped back and said, what is it then? Like, like, why in the world would I want to be able to pick up 600 pounds on a deadlift, right? Like that, to me, like I'm not building something. I'm not, you know, put, I'm not, I'm not picking up a cow and putting them over a fence. I'm not doing something that would be natural. I'm just doing it because I feel like it's something I want to do. Yeah. Well, why? And I think that it's it's a striving for excellence that's pushing you to do these things. Mm -hmm. It's something innate within you, and that's where the conversation can become about human nature. And that's where the conversation can become about how God made the individual, that he created us to become excellent. I recently wrote an article about um, – there's a, a, a really good documentary on Netflix um, called Eddie Strongman. Mm -hmm. If you have kids, I wouldn't recommend watching it around the kids. There's a lot of cursing in it, yeah, but yeah. – um, but it's really interesting because, I mean, he's sitting there talking about, you know, when he's lifting weights, he feels something greater than himself, hmm. right? Like the feeling he gets when the audience cheers for him after he puts up that last, that last Atlas stone, there's nothing like that feeling. Hmm. And I say, why is it that you're searching for that feeling? What in you is desiring that? Hmm. And I say it's because there's a place in human nature that God alone can fill 
and we're seeking him in these other things. But that makes these things good, right? It's just a matter of inviting God, inviting Christ into these things to make you great. As I mentioned kind of previously, like the best thing you can do as a Christian in these secular things, so whether it's being a lawyer, whether it's being a fitness guy, whether it's being a doctor, whatever, be great at it, right? Be a great lawyer. Be a great strongman. Be a great businessman. And do so in a way that glorifies Christ. So that means living a virtuous life, right? Um, so for me, I came about a lot of this stuff because I fell in love with bodybuilding and, and weightlifting sort of before my faith became my own. So I grew up in a very Catholic family, but a lot of it was in my head, not necessarily in my heart. And whenever I realized that I had to make a decision on my faith, I'm not really one that likes to ride the line. I'm either all in or all out, you know. And uh, I realized, what, what does that mean then for this love that I have? Because it doesn't seem like there's a place for it in Catholicism. Um, but then I realized Catholicism calls us to excellence. It calls us to greatness. It calls us to virtue. And that's the same, same thing that the weight room is doing. Right. So all we need to do is to be able to connect those dots for people to realize that what you do in the body matters to the soul. What you do to the soul matters to the body. Um, and so we need to start seeing ourselves as one whole being, um, not as these kind of disconnected Cartesian figures. That's really powerful stuff. And uh, I really appreciate you saying that because I think more men, actually everyone needs to hear something like that. I think it's important for us to understand the, the role that our bodies have and how we can use these as instruments to glorify God and how to, you know, better ourselves. Um, and I've read a lot of your stuff regarding, you know, masculinity and virtue. Um, and I thought it would be a great idea to have the audience kind of listen to your thoughts on that and, uh, you know, your take on it. Because obviously we live in a world now where, you know, masculinity seems to be under attack. Uh, the concept of masculinity and being a man seems to be not as, you know, prized as it was, if it makes any sense. Yeah. Um, could you, like, elaborate on uh, kind of your, your take on that and uh, what do you think it means to be a man? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I do think that um, just masculinity in general has been under attack for, for I think, a couple of decades now. Um, and I think the the outshoot of that is we're now dealing with um, about 33% of kids grow up in a home without their biological father. Um, in certain demographics, it gets worse. You know, uh, most prison, most people in prison come from fatherless homes. Um, so we're dealing with this kind of um, offshoot of uh, tr telling men that they need to fear their masculinity, basically. Um, and in a certain sense, it, there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, you know, to quote my, my boss, Bishop Barron, um, you know, we... we we have this kind of you go girl culture, and and I do think we needed it. I think there was something, um, you know, around the women's movement that needed to happen, but now it's gone a little bit too far, and they've done it over and above men, as opposed to saying you go boy just as much as you go girl, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, I think that today, what what men are speaking and searching for is is that exact question: is what does it mean to be a man, especially in light of today? We don't we're not currently hunters and farmers like we used to be, at least not uh, you know the majority, especially in the West. Uh, most of us sit behind desks all day, or most of us do uh, you know work of the mind, not necessarily physically out there working. We're not hunting for our food. We're not doing things that we're kind of innate and and, and natural to mankind, specifically men, uh, for for centuries. You know, basically since the 
beginning of time, uh, we've gotten ourselves to a point where we are unbelievably comfortable. I mean, the, the average American today is more comfortable than some kings in the past. And so with that comes, I think, a decline in our understanding of what it means to be a man, because man ultimately learns about himself through, I think, physical uh, tough things, physically tough things. Um, you, you learn more about who you are, what you can take, what you can do by, by pushing yourself physically. Um, you know, so men used to you know, build their own house. I mean, that very rarely happens at all today in the West. Um, and so I think at the core, what it means to be a man is virtue and leadership. Those are the two things that, that are truly innate to what it means to be a man. And that's the way God set it up, that man is the head of the household. Um, and the fact that uh, so many men have dropped that innate um, uh, push for leadership or or that innate desire to lead, they've just go ahead, went ahead and dropped it. We now have entire generations. I think we're two or three generations into men not knowing even what that means anymore, at least in a family uh, uh, style. Maybe they know it because they went into the military and they learned that style of leadership and praise God. Um, but we need men who are prepared and formed well enough to, to lead their families, whether that means their, their spiritual families in light of priesthood or their physical families in light of married men. And uh, so with that comes then, now we need to have, as, as you mentioned, sort of a, a renaissance. I always say that, you know, what, what happened in the last like 400 years that caused people to forget what it means to be a man? And I think it's been a slow chipping away um, since, uh, since probably the Middle Ages, but um, we need a, a renaissance, a recovering of what it means to, to be a man today. And um, I feel like that our generation now is poised for that because with the, the growth of this sort of man culture that we have today, men, even secular men, you know, men that maybe are atheists or agnostic or whatever, they're seeking this stuff out. And I, and I think that what Christianity has to offer that's different than anything else is that we have a faith that's worth dying for and that will, will cause within you the ability to realize that eventually you're going to die. So make your life worth it, right? And a lot of the men that you see today that are maybe attaching themselves to the Viking culture or going back to um, some, some tribal roots, which I think that there's virtue in that. Um, you know, I I, I enjoy reading about the myths of the old gods and all that type of stuff, but that's those are half-truths. Half we, we want the fullness of truth, and that's what Christianity comes to offer for men. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, it was interesting that you mentioned the, uh, the secular audience. You know, there are um, – I just want to let my audience know that – because, again, my listeners, they come from all backgrounds and all walks of life. Um, how do you uh, use your skills and your knowledge um, to speak to men who might not share the same faith as you? Yes. Yeah, so um, there's kind of two aspects to that. Uh, one that's more of a, a direct evangelization, which is through Word on Fire. So that's uh, you know talking specifically about things uh, Christian, right? But then I use the the gym culture. Um, you know, something that I love. I fell in love with it, and will always be in love with the gym culture. Even though it has its downfalls, it has its vices, but it also has a lot of good in it. And so by using that same kind of language, that same culture that men can understand, which is something as simple as picking up something really heavy, 
you are able to gain a relationship with individuals. And, and at its core, that's what evangelization needs to be. It needs to be building relationships, building bridges of trust, and, and creating curiosity in people to become great, to become excellent individuals. Um, and so I am able to, or at least I try to, in the secular sense, to just be a good weightlifter, right? Just like when I go to the strongman competition, I just want to try to win. I want to compete and be a good weightlifter. Um, it's not that I go in there and, and start proselytizing. It's not like I go in there and start you know, beating people over the head with a Bible or anything. But it's go in there, kick butt, and, and do what I got to do to be a really good strongman. Um, and then see what happens. See if maybe that creates a conversation with someone else. Um, you know, I, I get emails a lot um, from from men in particular that they just want to know, you know, how do, how do I get stronger? You know, how is it that you were able to get up to 370 pounds on your bench? Like, what, what did you do to get there? What kind of diet do I need? Um, you know, or I have men reach out to me saying, you know, I, I love your use of Bruce Lee and, and talking about martial arts and talking about these things. And it becomes, you know, a friendship. It becomes an opportunity to to chat with them about something. And then, you know, they know just based on web presence and based on my job that I'm passionate about my faith, too. You know, that it's not something that I'm going to proselytize about, but it is something that I'm very passionate about, and it's not something I'm going to bend on. Um, and so, you know, using, that's what Bishop Aaron talks about consistently, is, is evangelizing the culture. It means, you know, using the same languages, the same symbols, the same signs that the culture has, and point out the seeds of the word within it of saying, you know, in weightlifting, there's these amazing things that are happening to you. You're recognizing good within yourself. What does that point to? And what does that say about human nature? Um, so I think that if, if we can can properly use culture, I'm, I'm not an artist. I'm not a movie maker. I'm not a singer, you know, but I am a weightlifter. That's the culture I know. And so I'm able to connect with men uh, through that culture and, and garner relationships to build, hopefully, towards Christ. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, I, when I was speaking to, you know, several individuals who uh, introduced me to your work, um, one of the things that I, I was kind of struggling with at that point, maybe in a, a year or two ago, uh, was this idea, and I would like to hear your take on this. You know, I've, I've heard it said by many, um, both um, in the, you know, the strength world, the physical, like, fitness world, as well as the martial arts world, that um, Christianity is a weak belief system. People view it from the outside as a um, almost like a slave uh, mentality, and I, I believe I might be touching upon some Nietzsche's work yeah. there. Uh, I was a philosophy major in college, so I'm trying to draw nice. from all the notes in my mind. I a long time, <laughs> yeah. but um, you know, I would like to hear your take on that. What would you say to somebody who would say that Christianity is for people who are embracing their own weakness? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I would say that. Um, you know, first off, look at history. History would disagree with that. You know, Christianity has had um, a large part to play in the movement of nations. Um, the whole change of nations has come about through Christianity. Um, and I would argue also that, you know, say, for example, just to use a pretty extreme example, right, you have Hitler on one side over in Germany causing all this ruckus in Europe. It's the Christian modality that tells you that's wrong and it has to be stopped, right? That, that it's Augustine's just war theory of saying this individual is so bad 
that we've got to do everything necessary to go stop that person. The beauty, though, of Christianity is that it balances us out so that we don't lose our own soul in the process. So like we can fight for what's right. So in my, say, for example, someone breaks into my home, absolutely, by all right and means, I have the, the um, Christian responsibility to protect my family. But the beauty of Christianity is that I do it in a way that's balanced and and and, and um, fully aware of my reason during it. Um, and I think that makes a great martial artist, right? I think that one thing Bruce Lee used to talk about a lot is that uh, in large part of fight is mostly in the mind. It's not actually in the physicality. It's it's in my mind. I reasoned through what's going to happen in this fight so that I'm prepared for it. Um, and so I think that Christianity, which calls for things like self-sacrifice, it calls for things like the height of virtue, it calls for these things that you simply won't find, say, in atheism. I mean, oftentimes that's what you hear in, in atheism is that Christianity is a weak religion, right? Um, but then you also think of, you know, as I mentioned, you know, there's a growth right now in the Viking culture of coming back and people talking about the old gods again and talking about the way that they used to live. Okay, okay. Um, you know, I can see why that might be attractive in the fact that, you know, it's kind of allowing you to let your lower passions guide you and what you want. But do you really want to go back to an era where people were slaughtered by the time they were 20 years old? Mm. Women had no rights. Children were dying all the time. I mean, it, it was not a good place. Did they have their virtues? Absolutely. I mean, some of the family virtues that had come from those old tribal eras are incredible, something that we Christians need to learn again, I think, today. Um, but, but what Christianity brought was the height of humanity. It was able to bring in the philosophies, the, the, the hospitals, the banks, you know, these things that have made mankind into something, you know, I mean, the Western culture today is, as I said, I mean, it's, it's one of the richest, most comfortable com cultures in the world. And then maybe there's some bads in that. Um, but I, I would argue that that that's a strength. That's not a weakness. Uh, and so I, I can understand where they're coming from because, you know, the the verse of let them slap you on the other cheek. But Im imagine that, right? Dude hits you on one side. You look him right in the eye and say, go ahead, do it again, right? Like, like there's there's something strong in that. Um, and I, I argue that um, it's, it's both a, a strong and a meek religion. It's not weak, right? There's a difference between meekness and weakness. Being meek is a matter of humility. It's a matter of understanding that you are not God, right? And so, therefore, you owe your allegiance to something higher than yourself. Um, and in that, you become strong. You become pretty much untouchable, actually. You know, if you think of, say, one of my favorite um, uh, upcoming saints is Father Kapon, right? He's in, he's in North Korea during all the, the Korean War and, and all the craziness over there. Well, here's this guy that's imprisoned, beaten all to hell. You know, starving, being eaten by worms, basically. And yet he's still waking up at four o'clock in the morning and going washing his brother soldiers clothes in the snow because they have dysentery and they can't do it themselves. Right. That that's not weakness. That That's strength. And that purely comes from a Christian modality of life. The vast majority of churches are losing men. They're losing that male presence. And when I speak to my friends who um, maybe they fell away from the faith or maybe they, um, you know, maybe they never shared the faith to begin with, maybe they didn't grow up with it, um, they'll tell me things like, well, you know, it just doesn't, they'll, they'll always kind of touch upon this idea that, you know, it just seems kind of soft. Is there a crisis of masculinity within the church? Do you think we need to bring something back? 
Yeah, I think that um, so meekness ultimately, if you if you consider, I, I like to look at individuals as kind of a symbol or a sign of virtue, right? So if you look at Christ Himself, okay, um, even for a secular person who maybe doesn't believe that He was God incarnate, you still have this individual that believed what he what he believes so to the core that he literally went to his death and was basically stripped of his flesh, hung up on a cross, and died for it. That's meekness, right? Like that that's not weakness. It's it's realizing that humble part of who you are. You know, the Stoics used to talk about humility as kind of the first virtue to gain wisdom, right? That you have to realize that you're not the epitome of humankind, right? We we all have our weaknesses, we all have those inner demons that we're struggling with. Um, but meekness allows us to recognize those and move past. That, that we don't allow those inner demons to to um, express who we are, right? And it takes meekness to do that because a proud man cannot fight his inner demons. It's just not the way it is. So I think that that in a certain sense, that is strength. That's inner strength. And oftentimes people see, um, you know, they, they think of strength as sort of this outer thing, which indeed there is an outer aspect to it, but it flows from the inner. Um, you know, Bruce Lee was strong because his philosophy and his way of life was strong first. He wouldn't have been able to be the, be the martial artist he was if he didn't believe the things he believed, if he didn't practice the things he practiced. Um, he would say that his meditation was one of the greatest acts of martial arts he, he had because he was dealing with his own inner demons at that point. And that's meekness, right? So I would challenge men to say, no, no, meekness is not weakness. It's a very different thing. You just have to look at the inner side. As to your question about um, a crisis of masculinity in the church, indeed, there is a, a crisis. I mean, it, it's, we are, I mean, I, I would say though that unfortunately, there's just a crisis in the church in general. You know, I, I think crisis number one right now is our attrition rates. You know, for for some studies say that for every one that joins through the RCIA program, six or seven leave. Right. So we are we are bleeding uh, right now. Um, and most often those individuals end up becoming unaffiliated, right, that they become nothing. Basically, they're not atheists, they're not agnostic. Uh, but when you consider it in light of men, I think there's several reasons that go into why men are leaving the church. First and foremost, I think, is they don't know their faith. They, they really don't understand who Jesus really is. Maybe they don't even understand who God really is. Oftentimes, God is presented as sort of this um, other being that stands up above us and judges us from above. But that's not correct. You know, Aquinas would say that he is the non-contingent reality that allows reality to exist, right? He is to be, right? He's being itself. Um, and so men typically don't see God or Christ as they truly are. And when that's the case, they're going to lose faith. It's just a reality. You know, if you don't have a true understanding of who Jesus is, you're probably going to leave. That's just life. Um but I think also that there's a lack of community among men within the Catholic Church, within Christianity in general. And I think there's a lot that goes into that. Um, but I, I think that part of the reason for that, and we could go for hours probably on the sociological issues behind all of it, but I think that men today are struggling to understand what authentic friendship even is. Um, you know, as I mentioned, talking about sort of like a tribal era of, of time, you had your tribe, 
and within that tribe, you had a certain number of men, and that was your inner circle. You understood where you stood in that inner circle. Maybe you were the wise man. Maybe you were the warrior. Maybe you were the farmer. Maybe you were the hunter. You know, maybe you you had to earn your way into understanding you were a man. You know, many times with men at that time, they, they had to prove their masculinity. They they would have to go hunt down a wolf or spend three days. out. I just heard about this um, Indian that was named Wooden Leg. Um, that spent three days without any food or water. And when he came back to his tribe, um, in order to earn right to call himself a man, they had to test him after three days and gave him like a thimble of water, mm. a small little piece of meat. You know, these things that were manhood rituals that no longer exist. And so we don't know where we belong in our own culture, in our own society, unless you have tight family bonds. But we don't have those tight family bonds. So we don't have community we don't know what friendship is between each other because we don't even know what that means anymore. And so I, I ask guys, go back to Aristotle's understanding of what friendship is. Um, unfortunately today, you know, when, when men are close with one another in the current culture, oftentimes that will mean that perhaps they have a homosexual uh, identity within themselves in mind, or it's, it can't be authentically masculine anymore. And I say that's absolutely incorrect. That's been, since the beginning of time, men have constantly been used, or, you know, with one another, sharpening each other, challenging each other to be great. Um, and we currently don't have that in, in a lot of Christian circles. By the grace of God, I have friends that are good masculine men that understand what the church is, why we need Christ, all of that. But unfortunately, I think a very large majority of men don't have that in the church. Um, if they have friends, it's it's mostly geared around sports, uh, perhaps, you know, campfire, drink out, drinking, things like that, which are good things. Um, but that's not being found in a lot of Christian circles. No, right. I agree. I think the concept of, and you mentioned this uh, also as well, you mentioned the word tribe several times, and um, I'm pretty sure you follow myself on Facebook as well, uh, since we're friends on Facebook. And, you know, as a Filipino, uh, the idea of this this tribal culture is still much ingrained in my family life and the way I grew up, um, as well as my Catholic faith. Um, so do you think it's possible uh, to uh, kind of rekindle that sense of uh, tribe in the Christian sense, in the sense, because like, you mentioned brotherhood among men, making sure that we sharpen each other. Uh, what would you recommend as a way for uh, Christian men to kind of rekindle that tribal brotherhood uh, to keep one another accountable? Yeah, you know, and you bring up an interesting point too that you know you're you're one of the lucky ones that you you have that um, that deep understanding of your own culture. You know that 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 Filipino side of you is still very much ingrained, and you have that in your family, all of that. Um, but a lot of people in America don't, especially in a lot of Caucasian homes. It's it's kind of you know the understanding of I'm Irish or I'm German or I'm, you know those those are gone in most of them, and sort of trying to find in the American culture what that means. Uh, but to your question, um, as far as being able to kind of re-ingrain that again, I think it's innate to Christianity. I mean, I, I think that. Um, you know, the, the reason it was so effective evangelizing, when, so say, for example, my one of my favorite saints, in fact, my confirmation saint, St. Francis Xavier, right? And he goes to Japan, he goes to India, he goes to many of these other places that were not part of his culture, but yet he went there and appreciated their culture. 
and said, you've got these amazing things. Imagine what Christianity can do for you, right? Imagine the, the fullness of this faith you're seeking, um, but using your culture to express it. You know, I, I've gone to Mexico numerous times, and I love seeing the Mexican culture living out Christianity. It's just part of who they are. Like, it's not like you've got, you know, being Mexican over here and, and Catholic over here. It's, it's the same thing. <laughs> there's, you know, there's no disconnect between that. Whereas in a lot of American culture, there is a major difference. Between, there's a major disconnect between those two things. Now, whether or not that's just innate because of our history, um, because of the fact that, you know, our, our culture, our, our country is um, a kind of a mixing pot of many different faiths and many different things that we don't necessarily anymore have these like neighborhoods that are specifically Catholic or anything like that. Um, but I think it's innate to us to create communities around it. We're just at a different place in history right now where American culture needs to find itself again. Um, I, I think that what America was founded on is, has pretty much been lost um, in the past 50 to 100 years, roughly. Um, and so with that means that I think within Catholic culture, Catholic churches, Catholic communities, we need to start creating, as you mentioned, tribes again. We need to start you know, creating these communities together so that we know we're not alone in this, that we know we're not you know, trying to uh, pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps and move forward. We, we need each other. And I think especially men need each other to move forward um, in, in all of this. And I think that's part of the reason why they leave. Why they leave. But, um, but yeah, and I think that, you know, I mean, one of my favorite writers of all time is J.R.R. Tolkien. And he used to look at, you know, some of the ancient uh, cultures nation tribes and, and all of that and, and glorify the virtues that they had. And one of the greatest ones they had was family and community. Those are the two things that you could not mess with in those cultures. Right. Um, and, and we just don't have a lot of that um, necessarily anymore in, in a lot of the, the cultures of America. But um, I, I do think it's possible. It's just a matter of moving forward um, with, with what it takes. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I've, I've heard some of your work and I know that you actually have a podcast with Dr. Taylor Marshall, who's also another Dallas guy, uh, you know, and um, I, you talked a lot about, I think you had a whole episode on tribes and creating brotherhoods and things like that. And, um, you know, I was really, as I was preparing for this interview, I was thinking about, you know, kind of the struggles, how to do that in today's society. I mean, I think, and to be honest, it's, I've been trying to do that, um, not just within my own martial arts group, but also in my own personal life. Um, I found that as a married, you know, man, new father, um, it's really hard to kind of create that. I mean, the, the yeah. responsibilities of daily life, you know, the responsibilities of paying the bills, showing up to work, you know, maybe you're working two jobs, three jobs in this, in this economy. So um, how does the average guy, I mean, Christian or not, how can they uh, find a sense of tribe in their own life when this world's moving a mile a minute? And it's constantly moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great point. Great point. Yeah, um, yeah and I find that too because you know I, I mean I'm about to have my sixth child and you know I'm married man and and your first duty is to your wife and your kids like that that's a must, um, and so part of it is that there needs to be an agreement um, among the family <clears throat> that dad needs man time. Dad just needs opportunities to go and hang out with other men, and you need to have. I always say that you know there's I forget what the saying. Is, but basically that, you know, you're kind of the sum total of the, the closest five people to you, right? Like the, the virtues and vices that they have kind of rub off on you and you become that. So seek out those people that will make you better. Seek out those people that you admire, that you want to hang out with um, and, and, and push yourself in that, you know. 
some of the uh, you know greatest men in history have stood on the shoulders of other people mm -hmm. to become great, right? They had their inner circles. So for me, I, I try at least once a month, if not twice a month, to set aside three to like five hours to just go hang out with guys. Mm -hmm. Whether that means I'm going to the gym with them and I go put in a good long workout and we go out afterwards and have a hamburger and a beer, whatever, that, that to me is enough to at least garner that. Um, the funny thing is that through social media, we're more connected than ever, yet we feel less disconnected than, than ever, right? right? Like, right, it's right. a funny thing. And I, and I do think that social media allows for some of that community because we can chat with each other. I mean, that's how we met each other, right? right. Um, so you learn about other individuals that are doing the same things. But there's nothing quite like physically hanging out and physically going and doing something together, whether that means camping, whether that means hunting, whether that means going and lifting weights, um, accomplishing something together is very important. And I do think that if it's explained to your spouse in a way that says, I'm trying to be the greatest husband and greatest father I can be, and in order for me to do that, I need my time to be with other men. Mm -hmm. um, you know, unfortunately, because uh, and because our culture, as you just mentioned, is going a mile a minute, we just don't have opportunities all the time to do that. But if you go back, even you know, my, my ancestors were farmers, right? So they came over here, um, they landed in Texas, and they all started these farms, right? Well, they had other farmers around them to come help them, mm -hmm. right? Or if you go to some of the old tribes, you had to have a bunch of men together to be able to survive right. because you never knew who was possibly going to come to attack. You had to go gather the food. You had to go hunt. You had to do these things together. And it had to happen or else you simply, the, the ecological system of one man can't do it. Um, and so today we kind of have to force that because we don't necessarily live in that manner anymore. And and I don't think we necessarily need to go back to that because it was a, a, a difficult circumstance, whether, you know, you could drop off an entire generation of people because you had a bad year in farming. Well, by the grace of God, we don't have that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Our own ingenuity, that doesn't exist anymore. But it's also caused this disconnect between families, between communities. Um, so, so in a certain sense, you just have to make the time. It's kind of like with anything good. You want to be more intelligent. You want to be stronger. You have, you have to put forth the time and effort to do it. And it's the same thing with these relationships. Awesome, awesome. And so I want to really uh, change gears a little bit. Uh, you mentioned Bruce Lee several times in this interview, and I saw your recent article, uh, What Bruce Lee Taught You About Evangelization, which, I, you know, that's a very uh, unique thing because a lot of people don't associate Bruce Lee with faith and um, from what I understand he was not a Christian um, so and I also from what I understand you also had some kind of martial arts background you mentioned in certain videos that you've posted uh, you did some Jeet Kune Do you've done some martial arts in the past so uh, could you elaborate maybe on you know uh, your love for Bruce Lee as well as uh, your martial arts background yeah so I, I trained um, I, of course what's funny is when I was in high school you know I went to a little bitty country school I graduated with 26 people so it was a very small school. Yeah, yeah. We didn't have a movie theater. We didn't have a roller skating rink. We didn't have anything. So our fun was go out in a field, light a fire, and just hang out, right? A lot of times you get 15 to 20 young men together like that. Boxing gloves are going to show up. And all of a sudden, you've got, you've got a boxing ring, you know? Yeah. Um, and so when I was in high school, we would do that. Like we would box, we would do all that type of stuff. And, and, you know, none of it was trained. It was all just us having fun, you know? And we understood that it's it's us just 
you know, fighting, but it's not us fighting because we don't like each other. It's right. fighting because we do, right? right, right, right. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a weird thing. Absolutely. Um, but then when I went to college, I, I started um, getting into, I got into Jeet Kune Do uh, mostly because of Bruce Lee. I really wanted to train in what he created. Um, but I also did some Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I did some kickboxing. I did some Muay Thai, uh, stuff like that. Um, but in general, I, I really liked Jeet Kune Do mostly because it was... Uh, kind of the purest form of street fighting of if you are in a fight or die circumstance, what are you going to do? And that means you can do all kinds of things, poking eyes, biting, you know, breaking ankles, any of that type of stuff. It's not, there's still submissions. There's still striking things like that, but it's about like one hit, one person on the ground. Like, well, we're not going to play games um, here. And I, and I think that men need to have a certain sense of confidence in themselves that they can do that if need be. Um, but Bruce Lee came about when I was in college, um, really just kind of because, first off, because I loved his movies. I, I just loved his charisma. I loved how cool he was. You know, I'd, I'd watch all of his interviews. I started reading his philosophy um, and really just it, it spoke to me. Um, and right around the same time, I was reading a lot of the Greek and Roman philosophers. So Cicero, uh, Marcus Aurelius, um, you know, Epictetus, guys like that. So you've got these guys in the West that are talking about stoicism and, and a specific way of thinking. But then you've got Bruce Lee from the East that comes much more from uh, the Eastern kind of Buddhist uh, mentality. But he didn't consider himself a Buddhist. Um, he was actually considered more of a Taoist, if you will. Um, but he actually does have some Catholicism as background his mother was um yeah he was a Taoist but you know one thing that I always felt when it comes to these cultural figures is why is it that they're so good at expressing a message to an entire generation of people I mean Bruce Lee by himself connected east and west unlike anyone I've ever seen mm -hmm. um he was able to overcome things like racism things like um, you know, major issues that were going on between East and West just because of who he was, how he taught, who, you know, he, he would say that, you know, one of his greatest downfalls was his temper. I've never seen it, right? Like in interviews or any of that, maybe you see it in his movies because that's what he's doing, but that's him acting. Mm -hmm. But I've never seen him lose his temper. And, and I've read many of his diaries and, and things that he wrote. And he would talk about, you know, his struggle with racism in, in American cinema and a lot of these things. And you could tell he was pissed off. Like he, he was not just taking it lying down, but he knew the right way to go about it was this peaceful, stoic, confident way. And I, and I think that's what, I think that's what made him so powerful. And I think that's meekness to go back to that right. subject. Right that it was his inner strength that allowed him to become this man that was pretty much unstoppable. Um, and so I mentioned him in that article. I wrote about that in, in the article because here you have this guy that came to a culture that had never heard of probably about 90% of what he had to say. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the West at that time, except for a few places, really even heard of Buddhism right. and really even heard of Taoism or these things. And yet he comes, and within, I mean, the guy died at 32, right? Mm -hmm. So not only did he change American cinema, he changed mixed martial arts. He changed the connection between East and West. Now he's going to live on, I think, for decades, possibly centuries, as one of the greatest cultural icons of American, of, of American culture. 
And that just blows my mind. Like, how, how can an individual who had nothing came over here and built this basically empire just because of what he believed inside of himself? Mm-hmm. That, to me, is just a powerful witness to what, what we can do whenever we really take hold of what we believe. That's awesome, man. And, you know, I, I really uh, listening to your words right now and reading your work online. And I encourage all my students, uh, regardless of their faith system, to definitely uh, check out your work. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed about you is that you're not only this, you know, a strong man and a bodybuilder and an evangelist and a writer. You're really this uh, renaissance man. You're also very well read. And um, I want to know for my listeners, uh, what are the last three books that you read? Because I believe, I firmly believe that, you know, what we read is, you know, it really dictates and creates uh, who we are uh, to some degree. So uh, what were the last three books that you've read that you could suggest? The (laughs) The last three, huh? Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm finishing up my master's right now uh, in theology. And so I've been reading a lot of theology and philosophy. Right now I'm taking a a course on on atheism and and all of that. So I've been reading a lot of, uh, you know, Nietzsche, Marx, Feuerbach, but then also a lot of the new atheists, so Sam Harris, uh, Dawkins, Hitchens, things like that, but but more like personally read, like it shows what I wanted to read. I recently reread um, Oscar Wilde's uh, The Picture of Dorian Gray. Um, I really love classic literature, and that's one of those books that I was able to kind of read along with my studies because it's not necessarily written in a way that's difficult. <laughs> you know, like if you pick up Dostoevsky, it's a pretty difficult read sometimes, and it can kind of take up some mental capacity. But so that was one. Um, I read also. Actually, I'm currently reading. Um, uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori's book called Preparation for Death. Mm. Um, and it's kind of, if you, you know, ever heard the term memento mori, it's basically kind of taking you on a journey of realizing that eventually one day you're going to die. And what is your life going to mean? You know, and so he takes you through that. It's a very Catholic book for any of your, any of the listeners that possibly want to pick it up. But it's also, I mean, it's, it's kind of gory sometimes too. Like he talks about here we have this prince that, um, you know, he had everything the world had to offer. He had gold, he had women, he had whatever he wanted. And now he's in a coffin being eaten by worms, right? <laughs> like, so did he prepare himself? What is he now considering, man, I wish I just had another year to make up for all of the years that I didn't focus on my death. And so to me, that makes you live a full life when you realize that you're going to die eventually. So it makes every minute matter. Um, and then the other one, uh, let's see, I, I recently also read... Um, the it's called uh, Out of the Ashes: Rebuilding American Culture um, by Tony Esselin or Anthony Esselin, um, which is a, I think a fantastic book that kind of narrates where we are as an American society, as an American culture, the things that are falling all around us. Uh, but then he offers very hopeful ways that we can rebuild. Um, you know, talk. Talking about the education system, talking about the healthcare system, talking about the faith system within the American culture, um, and and not in a way I think that he's proselytizing, uh, but just kind of like here's a matter of fact thing of people say our education system is okay. Actually, no, it's not. It's it's quite terrible. Mm-hmm. And what can we do to change that? Um, and so those are the three. I, I really typically always have a theology of philosophy book open, a novel open, and then some kind of writing of a saint open. So those are my three kind of go-tos. Uh, but then every now and then, of course, I always pick up, because I consider Bruce Lee one of my philosophers, I always go to. Uh, but that's what I've been reading so far. Uh, so we're running it down on time. Uh, I just want to ask you one question. I usually ask all of my guests on the show uh, this question, and it is, uh, in your mind, what does it mean to be a hero? Yeah, um, 
You know, one of my favorite quotes is from Mother Teresa, and she said that if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm-hmm. To me, that's what a hero is. He goes home, loves his family, and does absolutely anything necessary for his family, his community, for and that that's a hero, right? Not all of them have to be well known. Um, I, you know, I think of G.K. Chesterton saying the, the greatest thing in the world is the ordinary. And so a guy just putting forth the time, the effort to be great himself and loving his family along the way. Right on. And so uh, for my listeners, uh, as we wind down, uh, is there any way that my listeners can get in touch with you, look up your material online, if you'd like to share some of that with the, with the audience? Yeah, best place is uh, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, those are the two places I've really been focusing. I'm currently kind of going through a refurbishing of my website, so I'm going to uh, launch some things in the coming weeks that, that you'll see. But uh, for right now, best place is just look up Jared Zimmer on Instagram or Facebook. Thank you so much, Jared. I appreciate you taking the time, man. And uh, we'll definitely be in touch. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you, man. All right, guys, so there you have it, my interview with Jared Zimmerer. I really hope you guys enjoyed Episode 6, and guys, I'm looking forward to seeing you all in Episode 7. Take care, God bless, and be the hero in your life.